1: This is AI Inside, Episode 5, recorded Saturday, February 17th, for Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. The chatbot effect. This episode of AI Inside is made possible by our wonderful patrons at patreon.com slash AI Inside Show. If you like what you hear, hop on over and support us directly. And thank you for making independent podcasting possible. Well, hey, hello everybody! Welcome to AI Inside. I'm Jason Howell, sitting here uh, on a, actually pre-recording this on a Saturday. Just a little bit of insight. We did have to record this a little bit earlier, so uh, but you're still going to get this podcast uh, the time that you're used to getting it. On Wednesday, I'm skiing on the slopes of Park City. Probably at this very moment that you're watching or listening to this, so that's why we had to do it early. So I'm here. I'm happy to have you here, and I'm happy that Jeff Jarvis was able to
2: join me <laughs> a little on the early side to make up for my vacation. That's and, coming. And I'll tell you why I can't ski, which we talked about in the last episode. I was walking on a sidewalk with a slight uh, incline, and they oversalted yeah. it with stuff. It was like walking on marbles. What did I do? Boom. <gasps> Fell on the wrist that I injured the last time I was on ice. So I am too oh. damn clumsy to go up above my height in any way and slip and slide. Not doing it. Yeah. Not doing it.
1: See, the, the the salt's supposed to prevent that. That's just, uh, a, that's the idea. That's just unfortunate. <laughs> I was at, I
2: was visiting a university and I said this. I said I was going to sue the university. And every other person there said, oh, yeah, that happened to me too. That happened to me too. I said, we got a class action suit. Let's do it. <laughs>
1: Darn, yeah, damn you, salt. We need the the snow so we can be slippery like naturally without any right. sort of human intervention. <laughs> well, um, I hope you never fall on snow or salt again, Jeff. And I hope you come back. No fun.
2: In, everybody in the family comes back in one piece. Me too. So far, so good.
1: Um, real quick, thank you to everyone who is uh, subscribing, everyone who is telling your friends, everyone who is leaving a review or even just a rating in Apple Podcasts and loving seeing those coming through. And I really do appreciate it. We we really appreciate it. And then, of course, if you are so inclined and you wish to support us directly, why you can, there is a way to do that. It's Patreon dot com slash ai inside show that's the place where you can go and support us directly it really helps this independent podcast out if you do that so thank you so much for listening to that and with that this week we do not have a guest it's kind of similar to last week's episode and and yeah, I'm actually really enjoying this. By the way, I love being able to kind of rattle through some of the news and everything. I feel like I'm learning a lot just by doing this. And this week, like in the in the short period of time between uh, our last episode and when we're recording this one, there's like a you know a mountain of news, anyways, including some really big stuff that we're gonna talk about today. So,
2: do, do, do give us feedback on, on what which formats you like and which things work in the show. It's brand new and we're figuring oh, absolutely. it out. slowly. by all means, let us. Yeah totally i mean this yeah this
1: is uh this is a work in progress and we're, we want to create a show that you want to listen to and you want to watch and if there are formats that you appreciate more than others or maybe it's a mixture of them or whatever um contact at ai is an email that will send directly to me and i can you know forward those that feedback on to jeff but let us know what you're thinking um it's really important you know we, we want you to feel ownership in this as much as we do and uh yeah i think it's most successful when that happens so thank you um okay so let's uh let's just dive right into the news and actually this uh seemingly came out of nowhere it's not the first time that we've seen you know uh video generation uh, artificial intelligence—I've certainly talked about it, you know, from time to time. Uh, services like Pika, which is one that I've used, but when OpenAI gets into a particular, you know, angle or or aspect of AI that others are doing, it becomes a big deal. And actually, in this case, uh, it it really is kind of moving the goalposts forward as far as generative video um, AI is concerned. This the service is called Sora. And OpenAI says, you know, create realistic and imaginative scenes from text instructions, which is kind of what we expect. But these videos can be up to one minute long, which is by a far cry, much longer than any of the other competitors that have been out there. So that's a that's that's an impressive duration impressive impressive length um, with which to get the output. But. Also, the just the quality and the um, the the fidelity of a lot of the output is just really uh, of sight to behold. Have you have you taken a look at some of this stuff? And wh- while you talk about it, I'm going to pull up some uh, for video listeners, video watchers. I'm going to pull a up and we'll narrate as
2: we go. Yes,
1: yeah. But uh, I mean, what what have you thought? Kind I've, of. Uh, I agree. I think Sora.
2: I think it's pretty amazing, um, uh, and. <laughs> It's the video it says the videos you are about to watch are not real. So yes. we're seeing a, a a dog, and this is going to be commented on in a second, moving from one window to the next, um, defying um, <laughs> yes <laughs> behavior, gravity, and physics. Uh, now we have a chipmunk uh, skiing, but that's obviously just fun, so it can do whatever it wants to. Yeah, it's a cartoon. It's very cartoon like. You know, looks like a dream, uh, uh, or, or like a like a Pixar movie. And now that we have a close-up shot of a chameleon, which is striking the beautiful colors. Uh, the background oh, I mean, is that blurred. Looks pretty real. A dog with a selfie camera, uh, mm-hmm. and an ocean waves in the background, and a bird flying by at a very low altitude. I might add. Yeah, it d- does look like the selfie camera is growing out of the dog. But yeah, too, weird little things like that. Um, yeah, walking through th- through uh, the woods. Uh, we'll see whether it's going to kill any animal here. Will it? No. It ends before that. Uh, Aerial view of a scene. There's another scene, I don't know if it's in this video, of uh, a gold rush town. Um, Here's kind of a Bob the Builder uh, view of construction. So all of these are intricate, busy, uh, fairly realistic, uh, certainly visually compelling. Um, Right. and, And so one cannot help but be impressed by them. Now, of course, already I saw a headline that that somebody's terrified by this because it'll be used in deepfakes and it'll, it'll fool the world. And geez, calm down. I come back, Jason, to the idea that I've had for quite some time now, which we've discussed before, is that I wish all of this had been presented originally as a creativity machine, because this is phenomenal. People can use it in amazing ways to tell their stories and to invent things and create things. Mm-hmm. And um, it brings the power of creativity to more people. I love all of that, but it's going to be used for deepfakes. It can't be used for news. I mean, all that's true. It's it was. I think. I think the discussion about generative AI just started off completely wrong. That's what I think about mm-hmm. these videos.
1: Yeah, I. Uh, I tend to agree with you, Jeff, as far as especially kind of like the tool with which these um, systems can be utilized if looked at through that perspective, you know, by a creative or by a creator or whatever. Like, And I can also completely understand... You know, okay. So to take a step back from just really briefly, I've been working on some YouTube content, like trying to kind of get the YouTube channel together and do some review stuff. And you know, there's all of these services that cater to creators, like Envato Elements uh, is is one example. There's there's a ton of these sites that have you know, you know, Adobe uh, Creative uh, Creative Cloud. You know, has lots of stock stock imagery, stock sound effects, all this kind of stuff so that when you are creating something, if you have a need for say a video of you know sh- sharks flying through the air, <laughs> I only say that because this apparently has it. Um, if you ne- have a need for sharks flying through the air, you know you can go onto these services you can find it they're licensed um, they're licensed to you because you're paying a fee to, to use the service and someone created those things. And now we're kind of facing a situation where, you know, potentially, eventually, these kind of generation systems will be good enough that, you know, just using this as one example, a, uh, a creator can go here and instead just say, this is what I need, give it to me. And, and I know, uh, I the creator, that no one else has used this video before, at least not the way that it is right now, because it was created in real time for me. And, uh, you know, and so I can understand the worry and the concern that some people have about like, well, wait a minute, this really changes things. I don't know that that necessarily that worry means that it shouldn't happen, though. I think no. it just kind of changes no. our skill set, hopefully, it changes how we approach these things and opens up new opportunities, new doors, new kind of supercharged abilities for us to be even more creative than we could before, potentially.
2: Yeah. I, I was talking to an English professor at Montclair State University here in New Jersey yesterday, and it was wonderful to watch her talk about. She, she One of the videos is, I think, a couple of mammoths going through the snow. Mm-hmm. And she dropped what she was teaching for the day and said, let's concentrate on this and let's look at the prompt that did this. And then she assigned the students to write prompts for what they would want to make. And she said they got terribly excited. And she said to them in the end, you know, this is English. You have to express yourself well. You have to say what you want to get, and 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 that's about the skills of learning to write. And yeah. it was a great moment in in uh, I think seeing that. So we, we move from the we we have the we have the uh, one poll we have people saying I'm terrified because of the election disinformation. The other poll uh, we uh, I saw people saying, um, well now, eight, honest to God, AGI is only months away. And in the middle, we well, have people, yeah, I keep seeing that. Why? It's, it's, why
1: is that? Why is they just the keep video on to be So
2: impressed with what they've made, and um, uh, fine, it's impressive, but don't overdo it, boys and their boys. Uh, uh, so in the middle, you have that English professor who says this is a cool tool that we can use to learn things with, and then you have people like Gary Marcus, who is uh, has been working in AI for for decades and is properly skeptical of the powers on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So Gary went through uh, some of the videos and, and, and noted, for example, the dog going from a window to the next in a way that a dog wouldn't or couldn't. And he said right. that that, that uh, this does not show that AI is capable of creating a model of the world. And a model of the world is necessary for what they call AGI, artificial general intelligence, which I'm also terribly skeptical about. Uh, the mm-hmm. idea that AI could just take on something that we would otherwise do because it's a generalist and it can, it can understand the world and do that. This shows that it can't, um, it doesn't solve for, as he said, space, time or causality. I saw one of the videos had some puppies playing and then they, they'd kind of morph into each other. And there'd be three of them or five of them or six of them or two of them. And it made no sense. Um, uh, I saw some other things where, as you said, Jason, the, the the selfie was growing out of the dog. These are yeah. things which to us as humans don't make any sense. We know that, but the AI has no such reference. It can it can figure out pixel to pixel, it can figure out frame to frame, but it can't figure out the larger context. And that I think I agree with Marcus, that militates against this idea that we're almost an AGI. Then nonetheless, it's still it's still wonderful. It's still a great tool. It's still mm. amazing. Why yeah. can't we just settle these AI boys for that rather than thinking that they're going to take over the world? It's not about power, yeah. boys. It's about it's about tools and tools in human hands.
1: Yeah, yeah. It is uh really interesting. I kept seeing the the reference to AGI um and trying to understand like what it is about you know video generation that suddenly draws the correlation, you know, suddenly draws that line directly from one to the other, but yet I kept seeing it come up. So, and which, you know, possibly to a certain degree stems from just the general impressive quality of what we're seeing here. Once again, when we look at how far things have come in a, in a single year. Another thing that I'm reminded of is, you know, a year ago when we were seeing image generation <clears throat> or even just a couple of years ago before the big explosion of uh, of OpenAI and and you know their LLM chat GPT and everything. But, you know, it, it was not very long ago that I that we were seeing images coming from Google, you know, probably for like a decade where it was showing off DeepMind and it was show um and and the imagery had the really funky interpretations that mm-hmm. we're seeing in some of these videos. And that I feel like modern, like now image generation systems aren't doing as much of the seven fingers on a hand thing. Right. Or, you know, three limbs growing out of a neck for some weird reason that that can't really be explained. Um Yet some of these videos do exhibit some of those behaviors. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's indicative of the fact that like, it will not be very long before that is solved, and uh, I don't think that the people who are concerned about this and drawing the line from this to AGI—I <laughs> don't think that you know—I don't think anything tells me that that quiets them down. I think
2: that only perpetuates I, I as right. things
1: get better. That becomes more and more the talking point.
2: I, I just went and searched the Google for Sora and uh, AGI, and came across a Reddit post in the in our OpenAI. Uh, That that is interesting because it says that, yeah, it says it'll accelerate AGI. I disagree. It also says Mm it will accelerate the metaverse. And as I think about it in these 30 seconds, um, that makes sense. And I start to maybe see why Zuckerberg invested so heavily in AI, and generative AI, because of his metaverse fetish. Mm. And if you can make the images you see in the fake world all that better, all that re- more realistic and believable, and use the technology to do that, I kind of yeah. get that it might make. I still don't think people are going to want to strap a television set to their eyes and their forehead um, for very long, if at all. But I start to I start to understand that connection.
1: I t- I think you're spot on. I think the the. The two things um, make a lot of sense together. If you jump, and I don't know how far you have to jump forward in time to get to that point, but if you've if we've got systems that can dynamically create these ultra realistic things in real time in front of us at some point, I am sure that's where we get where the destination is somewhere in the future, and this metaverse experience that takes you inside of this as is generated in real time. That's just Mind blowing. That's that's other, other otherworldly, and and you know, probably will be a really impressive feat once we get there. (laughs) And I and I guarantee you the AGI thing will still be, you know, the major kind of uh, correlation drawn between them because (laughs) it's getting better and better and better all the time. And what you mentioned is perfect, kind of segue into, um, you know, between video and AGI and meta, apparently meta has an AI model that learns from video the way LLMs learn from words. Personally, I would have assumed that's how systems like Sora are trained already, but apparently not. Um, in the case of this uh, system, instead of mimicking what it sees, it's kind of forcing it to fill in the gaps through some sort of, quote, and I put those in air quotes, understanding, um, which... At least, according to um, you know what I read here, this this article with Fast Company. Uh, by the way, it's called VJEPA um, Is the name of the model Video Joint Embedding Predictive Architecture. But um, Fast Company basically says that you know LLM training. Um, Often, they will employ a method of masking certain words in an effort to force the model to locate the best words to fill those spaces over time and kind of, you know, air quotes learn over time and that sort of stuff. This system does that, but with video footage. And uh, so it's not a generative model necessarily. It's more like a conceptual model that is uh, really the effort is to detect and understand um, as they say, highly detailed interactions between objects and uh, ultimately make
2: make them videos better, I imagine. And what's interesting to me is, is, is so this comes out of Jan Lacoon's uh, labs. Yes. And and Correct. Lacoon often um, equates the abilities of AI to age of a child. Mm. And he often talks about how a three-year-old uh, learns language. We, we've, we had a story on, I think, or we've talked about it, where I think somebody put cameras on kids' uh, a helmet on infants so they could see what they see and how, how do children learn. So rather than making the model the adult brain, the interesting thing mm-hmm. here is that they want to um, see how – and this is, he makes this point, or they make this point in, in their press release. Uh, he said even an infant or a cat can intuit uh, after knocking several items off the table and observing the results, that goes uh, what goes up must come down. You don't need hours of instructions or th- read thousands of books to arrive at that result. And so it's an interesting way to look at what Lakota has been arguing in smaller models, different models for learning. Um, hmm. And um, so that's what I think this, this hits toward. Uh, and beyond that, I will confess that I can't read the paper because I won't understand it. Yeah, yeah yeah it's it's
1: definitely out there for for my understanding too but but I was kind of i was a little fascinated by the um the the the, the kind of difference that you know what I read about it insinuates about how video these video systems are actually learning to do what they yep. do and how that you know how is this different than um the way it's happening already and I don't know it seems to all point to you know, just these systems getting better and better, better and better the way that LLMs have. I mean, they're, you know, these large language models are not perfect. As a user, they're not perfect, but dang, they have really improved in the past year. And, uh, you know, and that will
2: continue. And I think yeah, it's and the again, same with video because of things like this. I mean, analyzing protein folds is more impressive than any of this. <laughs> right? It's something that we True. couldn't do. What what amazes us is it starts it starts to speak in our languages, our our, our yeah. text and and audio and visual, yeah. and and so now that's what 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 makes us understand these this progress mm-hmm. and fear it as well.
1: Yes. Right, because we're, we're not – as
2: humans, we're not comfortable with anything being as human as us if no. it's not already a human. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I also think it's important as we discussed today how, how important it is to keep in mind that these are tools. They're not yeah. taking over the world. They're not yeah. doing anything to us that we don't want done. People do things with them. We talked last week, mm-hmm. last show, about responsibility and where that lies with the model, with the application, with the user. Uh, where does the power lie? And, mm-hmm. and these tools put more power in people's hands, uh, but I think it's also worth noting one of our stories in the rundown is that it also affects other tool makers. I was fascinated to see that Adobe's stock took a dive yes. on the announcement of um, uh, Sora. Sora. I think it was, I think it was like 7%. It was, it was quite a drop. Yeah, it was,
1: that's a, a big drop. Um. Yeah. And this, this really touches back on kind of what I was talking about, you know, maybe 10 minutes ago, as far as tools like Sora being, you know, potentially a replacement, right. uh, at least in some people's eyes, a replacement for things like Adobe Creative yep. Cloud yep. And, yep. and their stock library and everything. And, uh, you know, again, I... Adobe is going to have its own video generation product, right? It's going to happen and that's going to be part of their creative cloud suite at some point. I mean, it's not like I'm talking with knowledge of what the company is doing. I'm just saying like, that's, it behooves them to do that because that's where the market is shifting. And so, you know, I, I just, I, I don't see these things as immediate. Oh, well, there goes that industry, you know, off a cliff, never going to need it again. I just see it as, you know, another, another aspect, another angle. I do think that at the end of the day, we as humans, you know, the output of the, the machine uh, creating something is going to become more and more convincing, more and more um, of, a, of a choice for what we're looking for in the moment. But we will also always have the respect and desire to use the output of <laughs> the output of humans. And
2: <laughs> I don't think that goes away
1: even though no. these things can do that.
2: No, and, and 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 we have one story in the rundown on this, but uh, I'm going to mention I was at a an event in Washington on uh, Thursday with the um, CNTI, the Center for News, Technology, and Innovation, uh, which is trying to bring together technology with media people so they don't all go Luddite on it. And mm-hmm. um, uh, it, it was Chattermouth's rule, but, but I don't think there's any problem with quoting this directly. Gina Chua, who's a top editorial executive at Semaphore, a brilliant editor and executive formerly of Reuters is really making creative, uh, productive uses of AI uh, in collaboration with the machine, and uh, and I hope we get her on the show at some point soon. Um, so one thing she she one of the people who was there praised Semaphore for I think it was the beginning of the, of the of the Ukraine war maybe it was Gaza uh, I don't know which one they used. Um, AI to make images, making it clear this was made up, but as a way to illustrate the story in video. They're not doing that so much anymore, but it was a creative use. And then Gina talked about using it to um, uh, be able to categorize huge sets of data. I think there's just all kinds of, of ways in which it is a tool to do what we want to do and do more of it. So mm-hmm. there's a story in the in the rundown about um, uh, an artist who's been working for years to make a a robot art. British painter Harold Cohen spent over four decades refining his collaborator, an image-generating robot. So it's not um, generative AI. It's a physical machine that will draw, but it draws what he tries to get it to draw. And I think that there's tons of really interesting work that's going to happen with artists being able to do things that they couldn't necessarily have done before uh, and to see what the impact of the machine is on their work
1: mm-hmm. yeah, this is really cool and and to and and to understand and consider that you know some of this in- imagery uh the, the artist here he passed away not too long ago, right as a british painter uh Harold Cohen, yeah, you mentioned him um anyways, you know started back in the seventies, early seventies right. um to kind of work with computers and back then it was really you know the output was really kind of line art um that used this robotic plotter and pen kind of system to put it onto paper and then he applied his own you know enhancements with color by hand and everything and yeah it's it's a it's a cool like <laughs> i can't help when i look at it of thinking of something like like ms paint or whatever which i think is totally like Not giving it enough, you know, enough respect. But that's what that's what immediately comes to mind, and I think that's the aesthetic that's kind of endearing about some of this, uh, some of this stuff, because it really you can see that the system, you know, this the system that created this this was this was a long time ago. This was not made in the modern sense of art, and so it encapsulates a certain moment in time of technology while still having that human kind of. Interaction that human involvement in uh, in bringing it you know to the walls of the
2: where is it on Whitney, display I know it's the Whitney the Museum Whitney, in New York yes. through May 19 yeah right right uh, yeah that's super cool it I is, love it. it I hadn't is. heard about this and you know I think giving respect to it and, and, and making a, a, a major gallery display I watched a panel some months ago where a poet was working with AI to do her work and she wasn't allowed to submit her work because it wasn't made just by her. Mm. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch how we adjust our norms on tools and when we consider mm-hmm. the tool in our control but also as a collaborator.
1: Yeah. Yeah, is is there enough human in this tool? <laughs> right. And you know, and is is the requirement of a human's interaction or involvement like is is it truly necessary in some cases it it won't be in some cases you know people are going to stick to it and say no that that has to be part of the part of the soup so yeah super super cool stuff i love the i love the art i would love to see that exhibit just to kind of see that art blown up and understanding kind of the 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 starting points and how how long and just being a fan of technology it's kind of a confluence of a lot of things that i that i love about this world <laughs> And then you uh, you had included in here a couple of things called bad AI AI bad bad AI bad uh, <laughs> yeah bad AI bad uh, starting with Air Canada this is this is really interesting paying compensation to a customer who was mis- misled by its chatbot and I have to imagine we're going to see lots of situations that. Um, you know, similar to this, essentially the chatbot informed this customer that um that he could apply for a refund, quote, within 90 days of the date your ticket was issued by completing a form for a bereavement um, fair. Yep. Yeah, right, exactly. Bereavement fair. And when he did that, Air Canada then told him uh that their rules state that they could not issue the refund in the case, even though the chatbot said that they could. Um they said that the rules are on the site. That the chatbot was "quote responsible for its own actions." <laughs> Ooh, that's just that's just bizarre to me. Like I, I can't imagine, I can't believe that that's that was the direction that they were coming from. Um, but apparently, they did, and um, Air Canada did admit that the chatbot was using misleading words. <laughs> I mean, it's your chat bot. You're a business, and it's right. your they're, chat they're, bot. They're I'm still sorry, in like, it's,
2: it's, it's like if, as if they're employee. As if you blame yeah. an employee. So, right. so the guy and he had the chat evidence. He had the receipts. The customer took them to court and won. Yeah. As well, he should have, and got as well, he should $650 have. six hundred fifty dollars Canadian, uh, the equivalent of what he would have paid if the chat bot had been right. But it's the the, the corporate idiocy of this. It's a rice <laughs> sand effect, right? It's now the chat bot effect. Yeah, You you allow your your technology to do something stupid, you don't take responsibility for it, guess what's going to happen now? So
1: take that Air Canada,
2: not one of my favorite airlines, by the way. (laughs) Is it legroom? Because I know you're tall. It's not just legroom, it's also, so last time I was in Toronto, I was coming back and they were doing the, Shove your bag in this thing, or else you can't take it on. Oh game. yeah!
1: And I was right. flying
2: United, and I got to walk right by. Thank you very much. Oh so. yeah! Prove
1: to us that you're following the rules. Brr. Yes. Um. Yeah. I think. I think when the chatbot is an agent for a company, I, I'm sorry to say, Air Canada, but I think you're kind of you're you got to have a better have a better chatbot, have a better agent.
2: It's your responsibility. So I'll, I'll let then, you decide how to express this one, Jason.
1: Okay. I Yeah. And, and just fair warning on this next one. Things get a little anatomical. <laughs> <laughs> so if that makes you a little nervous, maybe skip ahead. But Scientific Journal, uh, Frontiers in Cell and Development Biology, published research that <laughs> – I can't believe this – used output imagery from mid-journey. Um, there's a rat diagram, which I'm like wary to show, uh, that shows the internal structure, structure rather, of rat testes. And it's when you look at this image, I think I'll just let people go to the thing and see it if they want to see it, but it's filled with strange, you know, those strange AI ish gibberish type words that kind of look like words but aren't really um, as labels for body parts. It has a very <laughs> enlarged rat penis. Um, Much taller and, than the rat, it goes, goes yeah, beyond I mean, the image. it's not just it large, it's like sky. larger than anything. <laughs> it's it's such a weird thing <laughs> to like so make it through. Weird. Yeah, and you know this is research. Um, it hits you know research that hits the journal, or at least according to what I read here, um, are reviewed by many people before publication. Right, the the well, journal has yeah, its own policies it's and ethics. I'm imagining that should be the
2: case. But you know more about this than I. Well, the and the, and the people, so I can't. The, the the authors of the paper said that it was generated by Midjourney, but why okay. it didn't why they didn't question it? Number one, why would they yes. include that in that weird way? Uh, why the paper didn't do something? Or and maybe maybe it's actually educational, but I can't imagine that it is when you have a uh, endless penis, um, <laughs> that penis. <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, people need, once again, the moral of the story is take responsibility for the technology you use.
1: Yeah, it's just so weird. I it just is. don't understand how this happens, but uh, apparently we haven't seen the weirdest of it yet. There will be more. Don't you worry.
2: So I'm looking uh, forward to your demo.
1: Yeah. So <clears throat> when we were kind of leading up to this, it was like, you know, I've been using Perplexity Pro a little bit, and I did buy the um, the Rabbit R1 I put in my pre-order for that of like, probably like a month ago, shortly after um, they announced the perplex, that perplexity and rabbit R one were working together that when we get the rabbit R one, which is like a little, you know, personal AI assistant piece of hardware, really unique thing um, that I'm super curious to get here in a couple of months. But uh, perplexity is going to be part of it. It's going to be part of the AI model that's running on the device. And they included a year's worth of perplexity pro, which is actually surprisingly hard to say three times in a row, um, uh, with the R1 and the R1 costs $200. So essentially, depending on how you look at it, you bought a piece of hardware and you got a year of perplexity pro for free, or You just bought a year's subscription to Perplexity Pro like you were gonna, and they're giving you the Rabbit R1 for free. So, depends on how you wanna look at it. But anyway, so I've had, I've been and been using for a little while, anyways, uh, Perplexity Pro. And, uh, you know, this is an LLM system. I think what's, um, like I said, the Pro for one year costs $200. It integrates Microsoft Copilot, ChatGPT 4. It also has Claude 2.1 integrated in there. That's just for the LLM um, functions. And then if you want to do image generation, it can do that too. It has stable diffusion XL. It has Dolly 3 for image generation. Um, and you know, outside of that, it's it's very similar to you know some of the other ones that you've probably used. You can see, let me see if maybe I can make this just a little bit bigger so it's a little bit better for video. Wait, let me viewers.
2: Ask you, are, 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 Double question yeah. first. Sure. Does Perplexity have its own model, or is it a gateway to all of those models? It it seems. My
1: understanding is it seems to be a gateway to all those other models. Having said that, I think if I jumped into settings, which I don't want to do because it, it shows some personal stuff in there, um, but there it has some language, and I guess I need to read up more about it. But it has some language about how you can expand the capabilities of Perplexity with ChatGPT and with Copilot. Which actually, now that I'm saying that out loud, kind of lends me to believe that they've got their own basic sauce working as yeah, the baseline.
2: An and you can choose among those different models. You don't use them yes. all at once,
1: right? Right. It's copilot right so, now, I see on the screen. So, like, I've
2: been using it in auto
1: mode, which is essentially, nice you know, point. it can kind of take my queries and make the best determination on what it thinks is the best direction to go. You can go into settings and tell it, like, I want to just use the ChatGPT 4 model, or you know, any of those things with with the image generation. You can say just Dolly 3 for me. Um, so you can you can make some of those changes. As you can see, if you're watching the video version, apologies to audio listeners. Um, you know, we'll we'll try and do our best to describe this as we go along. But the main input area does have a little switch, a little blue switch for Copilot. If you want to activate that, and that does some really interesting things. So I'm going to turn that off. Um, and wh- what do we want to ask? Oh, tell, tell me the difference between, oh, actually, how about this? Tell, tell me uh, whether perplexity has its own AI model behind the scenes or if it relies entirely on other AI models to do its work. Okay, so I'm sending this with no uh, no copilot on. There's this focus area. If I pull this open, I've right now I have it set to all, which searches across the entire internet. And that is one of the foundational kind of cool things about Perplexity is like a lot of the other LLMs, they have outdated information. Oh, that's key. All right, that's the key to it. Yeah, this yeah, is key. This is right. really key. Think of perplexity in my use. Think of perplexity as another place you can go instead of going to Google to do a search. Not because you're trying to find a website, but sometimes I go to Google search because I want to find the difference between this and that. Or, for example, like I went to Perplexity when I first heard about Sora, and I didn't have a whole lot of time to go finding sources and stuff. Like I was in the middle of things when I heard about Sora. I went to Perplexity and I said, "Tell me what you know about Sora." And and you know, this was fresh information, and it was able to in like ten seconds to kind of pull some information together. It gives me the sources, the links that it pulls it from. And it just gave me a short little summary. So i could be like, okay, I can move on with my day, but at least now I kind of have a general sense of what Sora is and I'm going to look into it later. Um, so it's very up to date. It also taps into Wolfram Alpha. Um, you could narrow it to just published academic papers. Um, you know, just standard like generation of text um, without searching the web. So kind of just using it as a, as a, <laughs> I was about to say a dumb LLM, but that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, <laughs> searching Reddit for discussions and opinions on a certain thing, or even YouTube. If you just want to drill down on YouTube content, because it can I, look at sc- how
2: they got access to Reddit. Reddit just, uh, there's, there's a story just out yeah. Some Somebody paid Reddit $60 million. That's interesting. That, that is interesting. Complexity.
1: Yes. Um, so yeah, there, there must be something going on there, obviously. So I said, tell me whether perplexity has its own AI model behind the scenes, or if it relies entirely on other AI models to do its work kind of gives you a list of some of the sources that it's used up here. Like I can see everything. It it pulled back a video on YouTube, how to use perplexity AI. So it, you know, I think it, it, it actually has access to the transcript there that it can kind of get some understanding. A few other websites, as the well as more, Perplexity the more itself. Cited
2: in this AI world, the better.
1: Absolutely. And as you're reading through here, you kind of get these little call-outs that tell you,
2: like, here's where this point comes we, we, from. We call them footnotes in my world, Jason.
1: Footnotes. Footnotes. There yeah. we go. So I tapped on one <laughs> that takes me to discover, but is that actually – so uh, Perplexity AI has its own AI model called – Sora. Whoa. (laughs) Nope. That's funny. That's really funny. Okay, so that's that's early, that's later. It says Perplexity AI relies on OpenAI's GPT 3.5 language model. Okay. So the foundation would be 3.5 according, according to, to this, this. If we can, if we can I even can trust it. it because the following sentence is Perplexity AI has its own AI model called Sora which is a diffusion model that uses a transformer architecture similar to GPT models to create videos from text instructions. That is hilarious. Okay, you got that wrong, Perplexity. Now I did not have copilot on i wonder if i had copilot on if that would give me a different answer so let's take a look so i'm going to go here i'm going to go ahead and copy my same query Yeah, if if this isn't an indication that no ai system is impervious to getting things wrong i don't know what is like it's talking about itself and it got it completely wrong so i've switched on copilot you can see when i hover over this 595 left today so it's not unlimited but still, that's that's pretty solid. Now, Copilot is pretty cool because when I submit this, if it's gonna, if it does what I think it's going to do, um, no, it didn't really ask me for any expanded information. Often, when I have Copilot um, set, then it will come back and it'll say, "What? What do you want? What is your purpose for drilling into this information? Is it this, this, or this?" It'll ask you to kind of refine with some more instructions to help it kind of get its focus. Um now uh AI. Okay, so now with Copilot, we've got a different set of output. I'm really hoping there's no moreover. Yeah, it's it's still included in there. Wow. How how
2: is it in including SORIL? Well, that's a just that's, for curiosity. Can good. you have it used a uh, uh, specified GPT-4?
1: Yes. So let me see here. Give me one second, I can I can activate that. I'm just going into my settings and I'm just turning off the, the video for a second because it does show some some other stuff. So, okay. So I have now activated GPT-4. Let's see here. So we'll go home. I'll go ahead and add this back to the stage. Let's see here. Finally, GPT-4 going in behind the scenes, at least... Or so I've I've fired it off. It's looking like it's coming back with some pretty similar stuff. Thirteen sources, uh, as well as another two. Okay, very limited output. Um, Perplexity relied on other AI models initially, OpenAI's GPT uh, 3.5, Microsoft Bing, as it was a wrapper of other companies. However, Perplexity has since pivoted to open source language. Uh, large language models, including Mistral 7B, and has been fine-tuning them to their specific use cases. So this is definitely a different output. And you can see down here, GPT-4. Is,
2: is there a link to the source for for this answer? No.
1: Let's see here. There is a two. More than an open AI wrapper perplexity pivots okay. to open source That's as of January 12, 2024. And so this is a relatively recent story, yeah. right? This All was... Right. Uh, Little just more- have <clears throat> to check, people. You have to check. I mean, that's just hilarious that we were talking about Sora earlier. And you know, we think that the, like, oh, the, well, the actually, skill people are going to have to learn burp, burp. with AI
2: is prompting. Yeah, the skill they're going to have to learn with AI is fact checking. Absolutely,
1: one hundred percent.
2: Every time I use these
1: these things, I click through. I never take something, you know, full yeah. uh, full print without doing some sort of a pass because. Yeah, because be, and in my mind, it's not meant, you know, again, at least where we're at right now, it's not meant to be a replacement. It's meant to be an inspirational kind of injection of some sort or a good starting point or whatever. You know what? For me, it limits the blank page syndrome. It's like, all right, give me something to start with. That gets my mind rolling. Like you can see I'm looking at my library, which is kind of like my past searches. I've created a collection called Vacation Planning. And, like, we are going, you know, to Italy this summer. We're going to Park City. I said, you're "You're taking a family trip to Park City, Utah. I want to go out for a fun dinner one night with a large group. Please select the five best-rated restaurants for the group. And it gave me some ideas. So when we're there in a couple of days, you know, maybe we'll –
2: Check it, check out.
1: Uh, yes, <laughs> that's true. Probably have to call them beforehand and yeah, make sure that they're we're actually. We're, don't, don't have a big okay. reservation
2: for you. I don't think it'll be reliable. Um, yeah. One last question, Jason. Um, sure. Since I haven't yet ponied up, which I should do, because I'm in a show called AI Inside. I've got to, I've got to buy into one. I've got to pay up 20 bucks a month for one of these things. Yeah. So if you were me, would you do perplexity or, uh, or open AI or Google?
1: Ah oh, man, that is such a hard question to answer. The reason part of the reason that I pulled the trigger on the Rabbit R1 was because I was in the same boat as you. I was like, all right, I got to put my money where my mouth is. If I'm going to be doing an AI show, I need an AI service that I can use on the regular and get really comfortable with. Not that I wasn't using those services before, but they all have their paid services that are expanded opportunity or expanded feature set and everything. And I knew that I needed to be somewhere and you know, I just I really just kind of like on a whim was like all right let's just go with this one because it's, it's different and everything i don't know what the right direction is for you jeff um i do know that you know you're very firmly implanted in the google universe yeah i might, I might I. just do that yeah and it makes a lot of sense to me um even for myself you know in light of having this perplexity subscription i'm like um i'm gonna at some point i'm gonna actually have to consider like do i also do that? Because that would be really helpful to me. And I would love to know how these things work. Yes, when it's a destination that I go to to use it. But I think the real utility for me is going to come from these things being embedded in the things I'm already using. And you get that with the, the Google yep. approach. Yep. If they I mean, screw
2: me on my Google account, but that's a story that's for true. another day. <laughs> very, very true. <clears throat> so anyways. Thank you for that. Uh,
1: yeah. And, and I mean, obviously not perfect. We ran into a very large speed bump with perplexity. <laughs> That's not going to keep me from using it. It's just a reminder that, you know, do do take anything that you get back from these things with a grain of salt. Cause it's not 100%. It is not going to get everything correct, but it is going to get a lot of things pretty close to correct. And sometimes it gets things correct enough to satisfy kind of what your immediate thing is. You know, I had to do, um, Uh, Some comparison, some technology comparison for a purchase that I was going to make. I can't remember off the top of my head what it was, but, and I was like, you know, compare these two things. Tell me what, what, what are people saying are the 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 pluses and minuses? And it came back with a nice little summary and I felt like that was good enough for me to make a purchase decision. So, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of neat. So there you go. Did you, uh, did you pony up for the R1 pony up
2: for the rabbit? <laughs> no, I didn't yet. That's cause I wanted to, I actually was, that's why I'm really happy you did this, this segment today to help me decide. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see.
1: And if you don't get one, I'll certainly be talking about it later this year. I think I get it. I think I'm scheduled to get it. Who knows when it, when it comes, but sometime in June. So it's a little further out, but yep. we'll talk about it once that happens. But anyways, that is perplexity, and that is this week's episode of AI Inside. Jeff, thank you so much for um, coming on and doing a little bit early recording so that we don't miss a week.
2: I right don't know what start I'll do the with the my Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, I know I'll, what you'll do. I'll do This quick. week in Google. Yeah. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I'll think of you on the slopes. Enjoy.
1: Excellent. Yes, I can't. I absolutely cannot wait. I'm already there in my mind. Um, uh, let's see here. Gutenberg com for all your stuff. Yep. That's fine. Excellent. Everybody go there. Um, as for me, I mean, I'm just pointing people to yellowgoldstudios.com right now, which just points to the YouTube channel, which is where you can watch AI inside. Um, but the majority of you listen, and that is amazing. We publish every Wednesday Um, so, you know, you can go to AI That's our actual webpage that has all the links for subscribing to the podcast. Uh, also, you know, I embed the video of each episode into each episode's page. So you can kind of get everything there if you want to. Um, again, you can support us directly via Patreon. We really appreciate that. Patreon.com slash AI inside show that helps us continue to do this show each and every week. And I didn't thank earlier. Um, our patron of the episode, Chris Huston, I think our second paid patron uh, from last month when we kicked it off. So Yay, Chris, thank, thank you, you so Chris. much for your support and for everyone who supports us each and every month on Patreon. Um, and then you can find us on all the socials. Just look for uh, AI inside show all one word. You'll find us. And then finally contact at AI inside. Dot show. That's where you can send us an email and let us know what you think. If you have any questions, yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll do a feedback episode. If we get enough questions, enough cool stuff to talk about, this is our clay. We will mold it with your help. Thank you everybody for watching and listening. This is a, such a fun show to do and I'm having a great time. I'm happy to have Jeff along with me and I'm happy to have you along with us too. We'll see you next time on AI Inside. Bye. Everybody.